Just to echo uh, what Joey said this morning, uh, we had a great week last week spending our time uh, at the Memphis School of Preaching. It uh, certainly was enjoyable to be back uh, among classmates uh, and individuals that we have known for, for many years, uh, to be among uh, instructors that we had uh, for the time that we were there. It's always good to be back among individuals who have had such an impact uh, on, on us, specifically speaking for myself, individuals who have helped shape me uh, in my path uh, as, as a Christian, uh, as a gospel preacher. It's always good to go back and to see individuals like that. Uh, it's also good for me to be able to go back to the school because of, uh, of the rich history that it has with, uh, with me and my family. Um, of course, my father being an instructor there now, uh, and so I know he's enjoying that. It's good to see them. Every time we see my parents now, it's always like uh, we go up to them and they say hi, and then they talk about Hadley immediately, and it's like, hey, good to see you too, Mom and Dad. Um, but for those of you who are parents and grandparents, I guess you know exactly how that is. Uh, but I know uh, we're certainly blessed to have, uh, to have grandparents on both sides of the family for us uh, who, who love our daughter as much as they do. But it's certainly a good week, and I appreciate uh, the opportunity the elders gave us to go there. Uh, and while we were there, as Joey said this morning, he and I both had an opportunity to speak, and the topic assigned to me uh, was one that was appropriate for the setting uh, that was given to me. I would, had the opportunity to teach a class of young people, uh, ranging from younger kids all the way up through high school. I had about 60 to 70 kids in that class, uh, along with a few adults. Um, it was certainly an enjoyable class, but, but the topic they gave me uh, is this, a wise son makes a glad father. A wise son makes a glad father. And I don't really know why they assigned this topic to me, uh, because I know none of you probably knew me or knew about me growing up. But if you did, you're probably wondering the same thing. Why would you give that topic uh, to Caleb? Um, because I know that all too often growing up, there were a lot of times, uh, especially as I got older through middle school and into high school, there were a lot of times uh, where I did not make my father or my mother, through my decisions, uh, my choices, very happy with me. Uh, there were a lot of times where I was rebellious, where I was disobedient, I was disrespectful. Uh, I was simply who I should not have been uh, as it pertained to my relationship with them and many of the things that I did. And I know that some people might look at a, at a young person growing up or going through that kind of phase, especially as they're into middle school and into high school, and they might say, well, that, that's just a kid being a kid, isn't it? Or maybe they'll say, well, that's just, that's for, for, for boys. That's just a boy being a boy. And they're going to they're gonna act like that a lot of times. And I, perhaps some of that is true. And, but I do think that oftentimes, especially for me, I knew better than, than what I was supposed to do. And so I can't help but think that oftentimes I just simply was not being very wise in my decision making, in my choice making. Um, as a young person. You know, this idea of a wise son making a glad father is one uh, that is pulled directly from the book of Proverbs. In fact, it's of such importance that the Proverbs writer actually says this exact phrase on two different occasions, and then it's offered other times in similar phrases as well. Uh, in Proverbs chapter 10 and verse 1, uh, Solomon said, a wise son makes a glad father, but a foolish son is the grief of his mother. You skip ahead to chapter 15, you notice verse 20, a wise son makes the father glad, but a foolish man despises his, his mother. And then again, later on in the book, it's offered just in, in different words with the same sentiment. You jump down to chapter 17, you notice verse 25, a foolish son is a grief to his father and a bitterness to her who bore him. 
And then Proverbs chapter 19 and verse 13, a foolish son is the ruin of his father. And the contentions of a wife are a continual dripping. In just four verses within the book of Proverbs, the writer Solomon offers this sentiment that certainly still stands true and rings true uh, to, to this very day. That being said, if you are wise in your choices as a child, really as any individual, your, your parents are going to be proud with you. They're going to be happy for you because you're doing what you're supposed to be, to be doing, but you can flip that coin, can't you? You can flip that coin just as you can with everything in life, and if you're foolish in your decision-making, if you're doing things that you shouldn't be doing, then certainly your parents are not going to be very proud of you. They're not going to be very, very happy with you. In fact, they're going to be disappointed in you because of the things that you are doing. I think it's important to understand as a young person and also as an adult, as someone who is older, who is still trying to navigate their way through this difficult life, something that we have to understand is it concerns this idea of wisdom. A couple things is this. Number one, just because you are a young person, okay, just because you're a young person, it doesn't exempt you from striving to make wise decisions. So many times as young people, we oftentimes will cast our excuse of being young onto all of this, the bad decisions and choices that we've made. And we'll say, well, I just didn't have the experience. I just didn't have the wisdom. And that might be true, but that doesn't exempt us from striving to make the right decision. It's not just a free pass to just simply do whatever it is that we want with no care for any kind of consequences. In fact, consequences don't care about your age, do they? Consequences don't care about your experience or they don't care about anything that you might have accomplished in this life. Consequences are going to happen and they are a result of our choices and decisions, no matter how wise or how unwise they might be. And as adults, we know that all too well. But I also think it's important in this aspect as well, that as important as wisdom is, as crucial as it is to have, wisdom is something that is also learned. Wisdom is something that is learned. In other words, you and I don't just wake up one day all wise, just like that, do we? We don't come out of the womb knowing everything that there is to know, but rather it is a process in our lives. It is one that takes patience. It is one that takes diligence, one that takes hard work and effort and a willingness to learn and to strive for growth in our lives. And again, that is applicable to everyone, regardless of your age and where you might be in life. What I want to do this evening for just a brief moment is I want to look at the life of Solomon. I want to look at really just two instances in his life, because we understand Solomon being one of the wisest men to ever walk this planet. But there were often times in Solomon's wife where he didn't exercise his wisdom. And we're going to look at that here in just a moment. But then once we do that, I want to talk about some practical applications and some things that are uh, ex extremely applicable to yet us, for those of you who are young people, but to those of you who are simply living your life as a Christian. And I want you to think about that as we go through. How is this applicable to you? Perhaps not as a young person, maybe as an adult. How is this applicable to me? I want you to think about that, and we'll tie it all together as we conclude the sermon uh, this evening. I want to look at the life of Solomon just briefly. You and I, when we think about Solomon, we, we understand he to be David and Bathsheba's son. We're talking about David, the great king of Israel, aren't we? The one who was called a man after God's own heart. The one who had dedicated his life in service uh, to God and in service to the people as he reigned over them. He was a great warrior, uh, a feared leader, one who certainly himself possessed great wisdom as well. And yet, David was also one who did not always practice the wisdom that he possessed as well. In fact, his mother, talking about Solomon's mother, Bathsheba, a name who will always be associated with one of David's greatest lapses of judgment. 
So we certainly understand that David was not always wise in his life. But when I look at the life of Solomon, and specifically early on in his reign as a king, certainly he was someone who exercised great wisdom, wasn't he? In fact, in 1 Kings chapter 4 and verse 29, the Bible describes the wisdom of Solomon by saying, God gave Solomon wisdom and exceedingly great understanding and largeness of heart like the sand on the seashore. We're talking about Solomon's wisdom. It was vast. It was broad. It was wide. It was exactly what it needed to be, and certainly it wasn't wasted on him at certain points in his life, that is. We see this in action. First Kings chapter 3, verses 16 through verse 28, and we won't read it just for the sake of time, but you remember whenever those two mothers came into him about the death of one of their children, and you remember Solomon makes his decision, and it's known among all the people, and you remember how the people responded to this very instance of Solomon showcasing this great wisdom that he had. You remember there in First Kings chapter 3 and verse 28, the Bible says that all Israel heard of the judgment which the king had rendered, and they feared the king, for they saw that the wisdom of God was in him to administer justice. Solomon had great wisdom. He had great prudence. He had great understanding, even as a young king, and certainly he showcased that on many occasions, but that wasn't always the case. Solomon was someone who also was foolish at times as well. When we think about Solomon, one of his greatest weaknesses was his relationships with the foreign women who were around him, with those women who were of the pagan religions and pagan nations that were around him. You remember God's explicit warning to his people? In Deuteronomy chapter 7, beginning of verse 1, the Bible says, When the Lord your God brings you into the land which you go to possess, and has cast out many nations before you, talking about the Hittites, the Gergesites, the Amorites, the Canaanites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, the Jebusites, seven nations greater and mightier than you, when the Lord your God delivers them over to you, you shall conquer them, utterly destroy them. You shall make no covenant with them, nor show mercy to them. Verse 3, nor shall you make marriages with them. You shall not give your daughter to their son, nor take their daughter for your son. For they will turn your sons away from following me to serve other gods. So the anger of the Lord will be aroused against you and destroy you suddenly. God explicitly telling his people, do not intermingle. With the, with the pagan women that are around you. And yet, what does Solomon do? First Kings chapter 11, beginning in verse 1. But King Solomon loved many foreign women, as well as the daughter of Pharaoh, women of the Moabites, Ammonites, Edomites, Sidonians, Hittites, from the nations of whom the Lord had said to the children of Israel, you shall not intermarry with them, nor they with you. Surely they will turn away your hearts after their God. Solomon clung to these in love. Verse 3, he had 700 wives, princesses, 300 concubines, and his wives turned away his heart. For it was so when Solomon was old that his wives turned his heart away after other gods, and his heart was not loyal to the Lord his God, as was the heart of his father David. Solomon, certainly not making wise decisions, at least at this point in his life, certainly not making his father glad and happy and proud of him, because of his decisions that he was making. But I point out, really, I guess, both sides of the coin of, De of Solomon's life at, at this point to say this, that just as Solomon, one of the wisest men to ever walk the face of this planet, one of, the, one, of the, one of the men who had wisdom straight from Almighty God, and though he had times of great wisdom, he also had great times of foolishness in his life. And I say that because this is where it becomes extremely relatable to each of us, doesn't it? I think sometimes we might look at Solomon and think, well, Solomon had this great wisdom, but he got it straight from God. 
He was blessed from God to have this wisdom. So certainly we can't be anything like Solomon was, but just as Solomon had wisdom in the exact same way for you and I, he had to do something with that wisdom, didn't he? He had to make the choice that you and I also have to make in our day and age, that is to live a life that is pleasing and acceptable to Almighty God. Just because he received wisdom from God, it didn't mean God was going to make him live the life that God wanted him to live. Solomon had to make that choice. And the same thing is for you and I. This is where it's relatable to us. We can gain wisdom from, from, the, from studying the word of Almighty God. We can know exactly what it is that we're supposed to do, but if we don't do anything with it, it doesn't do us any good. We have to be like Solomon was at certain points in his life where he took his wisdom, he put it into his life, but then he allowed it to shape and to change his life. Sometimes we don't live up to that standard, do we? Sometimes we don't live up to the call that we're called to live, and thus we are in need of the mercy, the grace, and the forgiveness of God, just as Solomon was at certain points in his life as well. So how do I become and live as a wise child? How do I become and live as a wise child? How do, we, how do I become simply wise in general? For those of us who, who, who are adults, who are, who, who are not in the young person category, so to say, how do I make this applicable to me? Four things that I think are extremely important for us to understand. In order to be wise individuals and as a result make our parents, our mentors, and ultimately make our Father in heaven happy, proud, and glad with us, how do I do it? Number one, I have to fear God. I have to fear God if I want to make him happy. It's interesting that the Proverbs writer really starts out the entire book of Proverbs with this sentiment. If you go back to Proverbs chapter 1, you notice they're beginning in verse 7. Just seven verses in, what does he say? The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. And I guess truth be told, this ought to be what we remember in all scenarios, in all situations that you and I ever face in this life. It ought to be that which we cling on to because if we do, certainly it will shape and change the way that we live our lives. It should change every choice that we make, every decision that we decide because of our fear and our reverence for Almighty God. Things that the world says yes to because of our fear for God, we probably need to say no to. But you can flip that. Things that the world might say no to because of our fear and reverence for God, we need to say yes to. Things that the world perhaps maybe deems ridiculous or dumb or, or, as to, or no point as to why we do what we do, but because of our fear for God and the wisdom that we have gained because of that fear, we live different lives from the world around us. When you remember that God reigns first in your life, it truly changes your life, doesn't it? Because you begin to look at situations differently. You begin to view people differently. You begin to look ahead in your life. You begin to look ahead in certain situations. You begin to understand the consequences that accompany your actions as an individual that lives on this earth. That's what true wisdom is. Being able to see what's going to happen because of your actions and understanding if those are consequences that you want to have to deal with or not. You see, God ought to be first in my life ultimately because of what God has done for me. Because of who God is and because of my, and my fear of him is what pushes me to, to, to live my life the way that I live it for him. We're talking about God, the creator 
of the universe. Genesis chapter 1 and verse 1, we all know what the Bible says. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Adam is not the very first being that we're ever introduced to in Scripture. We're talking about God, the one who created this universe, the one who has even allowed us to be in an, in an existence here upon this earth. We're talking about God, the always and ever existing one. First Timothy chapter 1 and verse 7, Now to the king, eternal, immortal, invisible, to God, who alone is wise, be honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. We're talking about God, the all-knowing one. Psalm 147 in verse 5, Great is our Lord, mighty in power. His understanding is infinite. We're talking about God, the one who loved us and still loves us, despite the many times that we don't exercise wisdom. And because of that, we end up in sin. Romans chapter 5 and verse 8, But God demonstrates His own love towards us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. We're talking about the God who has prepared a place for His prepared people, a place that is far better than anything that you and I could ever know or understand while we're on this earth. Revelation chapter 21, verse 4, God will wipe every away every tear from their eye. There shall be no more death, nor sorrow, nor crying. There shall be no more pain, for the former things have passed away. If you want to be wise, remember who it is for whom you are living in this life, that above all else, God must come first. When you train your mind to think that way, it changes the way you live your life for the better. Again, go back to Proverbs chapter 1 and verse 7. We're talking about the fear of God. If I truly fear God, he's going to be first in my life. And if God is going to be first in my life, that means I am making decisions and choices that are going to please, honor, and glorify him. Think about it this way. If I'm going to be wise, I have to go to the right source. Again, the fear of who? Scholars, scientists, celebrities, athletes, music artists, people that the world deems the most important and the most knowledgeable people in our day and age. No, the Bible says the fear of the Lord, the God who loves you, who created you, who died for you, and who wants you to spend your eternity with him. I have to fear Almighty God. Here's number two. I have to listen to my parents, and I know that this is an extremely elementary concept. It is one that has been spoken of really since the beginning of time, and yet it is also a concept that I think is so forgotten, isn't it? Um, or maybe ignored uh, among young people. Uh, but as, you, as, you, as we talk about this as an adult, I want you to think about how this relates to you. Let's go back to the book of Proverbs. We're going to look at several verses about where this is brought out. Notice Proverbs chapter 1, beginning in verse 8. My son, hear the instruction of your father. Do not forsake the law of your mother, for they will be a graceful ornament on your head and chains about your neck. And notice chapter 2, beginning in verse 1. My son, if you receive my words, if you hear them and treasure my commands within you so that you incline your ear to wisdom and apply your heart to understanding. Notice chapter 3, beginning in verse 1. My son, do not forget my law. But let your heart keep my commands. For length of days and long life and peace they will add to you. Notice chapter 3. Or excuse me, chapter, we are in chapter 3. Notice beginning, uh, continue on in verse 3. Let not mercy and truth forsake you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart. And so find favor and high esteem in the sight of God and man. Notice chapter 4 beginning in verse 10. Hear, my son, receive my sayings, and the years of your life will be many. I've taught you in the way of wisdom. I've led you in right paths. When you walk, your steps will not be hindered, and when you run, you will not stumble. Take firm hold of instruction. Do not let go. Keep her, 
for she is your life. Notice jumping ahead to chapter 13. Notice verse 1. A wise son heeds his father's instruction, but a scoffer does not listen to rebuke. Jump ahead to chapter 22. Notice uh, verse 17. Incline your ear and hear the words of the wise and apply your heart to my knowledge. Notice chapter 23. Look at verse 12. Apply your heart to instruction and your ears to the words of knowledge. What a novel idea that the the Proverbs writer is talking about time and time again. Listening to our parents, why in the world would we as young people, as children, do that? What do our parents know? What what do they have to offer us as as we're striving to grow up in this world? I think oftentimes... That's what young people's minds tend to run through. But but as we consider wisdom and as we couple it with this idea of listening to our parents, of taking in what they have instructed us, of making application of it into our lives, Solomon understood that. In fact, think about Solomon's father and who he was. We already talked about David. We talked about the greatness of David and and who he was while he lived his life. There was so much for him to glean from David, and certainly Solomon did that while he lived his life. But again, he couldn't just rely on that, could he? He couldn't just take the things that he heard, but he had to make application of them. There had to be obedience along with him listening to the things uh, to the things that he was that he was learning. I want to switch gears a little bit. I want to jump to the New Testament here for just a moment. I want to look at the life of young Timothy for just a moment, and I, I, I want to look at this because of the, the relationship that he had with Paul. And I want to look at how Timothy was, as a young person, someone who listened to his mentor talking about Paul and how he made application of it into his life. There's a big difference, isn't there, in hearing and listening. And and I know this to be the case because oftentimes growing up, I heard my parents. I heard my parents every time they spoke to me, but I didn't always listen to them. In other words, I didn't always allow it to seep into my mind, and I didn't always allow it to make me do what I was supposed to do, what they were instructing and commanding me to do, and there were always consequences for that. But when I look at Timothy, I know that Timothy was someone who not only heard, but certainly Timothy was someone who listened. In fact, we remember that he was taught the scriptures from the time that he was a child. You look at 2 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 15, the Bible tells us that from childhood he had known the holy scriptures, which were able to make him wise for salvation through faith, which is in Christ Jesus. Remember as a child growing up in 2 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 5, that he had godly influences upon him and his, and his time as a child. His grandmother Lois, his mother Eunice, certainly they were a great influence on them. And we know that Paul had been teaching him for quite some time. And so we know Timothy was taking things in. We know that he was hearing things, but we also know that he was listening to them. In other words, he was allowing them to change and to shape the way that he lived his life because of what he was doing for the cause of Paul while he was on this earth. First Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 17, the Bible tells us, for this reason I have sent Timothy, this is Paul speaking to Corinth, for this reason I have sent Timothy to you, who is my beloved and faithful son in the Lord, who will remind you of my ways in Christ as I teach everywhere and every church. But then you jump ahead to the book of Philippians and the same instance is playing out. Philippians chapter 2 and verse 19, but I trust in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you shortly that I also may be encouraged when I know your state. When Paul was unable to go somewhere, he knew that he could count on Timothy to do his bidding for him. And it was because Timothy, as a young person, was listening 
to those who had a godly influence on him. He was allowing himself to take those things in and to make application of them within his life. There were expectations placed on him, and he knew the only way to meet those expectations were to make sure that he listened to them. Here's the third thing I want to think about. When it comes to this idea of being wise, if you and I want to be wise individuals, we have to be willing to give our parents the honor that they deserve. We have to be willing to give our parents the honor that they deserve. Again, look at the book of Proverbs. Go back a couple of chapters to chapter 19. Notice Proverbs chapter 19. Think about verse 26. He who mistreats his father and chases away his mother is a son who causes shame and brings reproach. Notice chapter 20 and verse 20. Whoever curses his father or his mother, his lamp will be put out in deep darkness. Notice chapter 30, looking at verse 17. The eye that mocks his father and scorns obedience to his mother, the ravens of the valley will pick it out and the young eagles will eat it. All of these passages pointing towards a child that is disrespectful, that is disobedient, that is downright rude and makes a mockery of his parents. One who causes shame and reproach upon them. All of these things certainly not leading one towards making their parents glad. Why? Because they're not living lives that are honorable. Lives that are not lived with respect for mother and for father and far too many times I think as young people, without even realizing it, we often make choices. We've allowed ourselves to live lives of disrespect towards our parents who are so undeserving of it. You know, this idea of honoring our parents really goes back to the beginning of time. It goes back to one of the very first instructions that God ever gave his people, going back to Exodus chapter 20 and verse 12, thinking about one of the Ten Commandments that God gave them, where he says, honor your father and mother, that your days may be long upon the land which the Lord your God is giving you. God is not just giving them a suggestion, is he? This is not just a recommendation. It's not just there for formality, but rather God is giving them a command because God understands that this is what is needed in order to, rise up, to, to raise up another generation of Christian young men and young women. God knew, knows that for the majority of parents, Christian parents, they're going to hand down to their children great wisdom that's going to be useful for lives that are lived here on out. When we think about the time that this was written, looking at the, uh, the time of the Old Testament, you remember what the consequences were for children who dishonored and who disobeyed his or her parents. You remember going all the way back to Deuteronomy chapter 21, beginning at verse 18, where the Bible tells us that if a man has a stubborn and rebellious son who will not obey the voice of his father or the voice of his mother, and who, when they chastened him, will not heed them, then his father and his mother shall take hold of him, bring him out to the elders of his city and to the gate of his city, and they shall say to the elders of his city, This son of ours is stubborn and rebellious. He will, not hear, he will not obey our voice. He is a glutton and a drunkard. Then all the men of his city shall stone him to death with stones. So you shall put away the evil from among you, and all Israel shall hear and fear. Boy, I'm thankful I didn't live under the Old Testament. Uh, I know that many times my parents <coughs> excuse me, talked about how stubborn and rebellious I was at times. They didn't, they didn't call me a glutton or a drunkard, so I don't think I was those things. But they did talk about how oftentimes I was rebellious and disobedient. Obviously, we don't live under that time. We're under a new covenant, thankfully. But the principle certainly is still applicable, isn't it? In multiple ways, how we are to honor our parents. 
Because this is a biblical command given by God. And how also that by talking about the words that we're going to be judged by one day, John chapter 12 and verse 48, it prepares us for how to honor the Father in heaven so that we won't have to meet and suffer eternal death. I think you see the importance of honoring our parents. You know, in the same way that listening requires application, so does honoring our parents as well. You see, true honor to our parents involves obedience, doesn't it? Going back again to Proverbs chapter 1, you remember there beginning of verse 8, My son, hear the instruction of your father. Do not forsake the law of your mother, for there will be a graceful ornament on your head, chains about your neck. You can't just say, oh, mom and dad, I honor you. Oh, mom and dad, I obey you, but then go and do whatever it is that you want to do with, with no thought or care for what your parents want for you. And again, in the same way, you can't look to God and say, I love you, God, with all of my heart, soul, mind, and strength, and then choose to live your life however it is that you want to live it. That's not giving honor to Almighty God. Here's what we have to understand. When we're talking about our relationship with God, talking about our vertical relationship, it is what it should be if we are honoring him. Through our, through our fear, through our obedience of him, if we are doing all of those things, our vertical relationship will be what it should be. And when that is what it should be, then our horizontal relationship with the people around us, with our brothers and sisters, with our family, with our parents, with those who are mentors to us, they, that will also be what it should be. But we have to get our relationship with God right first and foremost. And I think this is where it is extremely relatable to every single person. I know that this was geared towards young people, uh, but in principle, this emulates what our relationship with our Heavenly Father ought to look like. You see, we ought to fear God above all else. That should shape and mold the way that we live our lives. We ought to listen to God through His Word and think about the wisdom that we can gain from that and how that can change our lives. But then we also have to honor Him because of how deserving He is of it, considering everything that He has ever done and the position in which we find ourselves to have a, to have a hope of heaven. I know I said we had four points. We actually only had three, uh, three th th this evening. I want to close out by, by reading another passage from the book of Proverbs. Notice Proverbs chapter 30, beginning in verse 11. Solomon said this. He said, there is a generation that curses its father and does not bless its mother. Brothers and sisters, I'm afraid that when I look at our world, this generation in some sense has come to fruition. That you and I are living amidst one of the most disrespectful, disobedient, most allergic to authority generation of people. But you know it doesn't have to be that way, does it? For you and I, the choices that we can make, we can choose to be a part of a generation that honors parents, that respects parents, that listens to parents and allows ourselves to be what we're supposed to be. And when we do that, then certainly we're being pleasing to Almighty God. When that's your view of your Christian influences, your Christian parents, your grandparents, whoever it might be, it puts you on a path to being pleasing to Almighty God and to being wise. If I were to leave you with one thing, I would take you to Jeremiah chapter 9. Jeremiah chapter 9, beginning of verse 23, Jeremiah said, said this, Thus says the Lord, let not the wise man glory in his wisdom, let not the mighty man glory in his might, nor let the rich man glory in his riches, but let him who glories glory in this, that he understands and knows me, that I am the Lord, exercising loving kindness, judgment, and righteousness in the earth, for in these I delight, says the Lord. For every single person who is present this evening, strive for wisdom. Apply the knowledge that you and I can gain on a daily basis 
through our study of the Word of God and allow ourselves to grow, allow ourselves to be better, allow ourselves to be who we need to be in this life. It was the late Brother Taylor who said this. He said, where you are in the there and then is determined by what you do in the here and now. I hope that you strive for wisdom, certainly in the here and now, so that in the there and then, we can have that eternal rest. I hope that you have made that decision in your life, that you are looking ahead, you are thinking ahead towards your heavenly home, but perhaps that's not the case for you, but you want to make that change, and maybe you want to become a part of the family of God by putting Christ on in baptism. Know that we can assist you and help you in that regard. Or perhaps you're here as someone who is a Christian, but maybe your life's not what it should be. Maybe as a young person who is a Christian, maybe you haven't been treating your parents in the way that you should be, but you want to make that right. Talk to them. Ask them for forgiveness. Have them pray for you and have them help you in these matters. But maybe, as it relates to every single one of us and our relationship to Almighty God, maybe we have been respecting Him as our Father and we as a child of His. Know that you can change those things as well. You can go to Him, ask Him for forgiveness, and certainly He will forgive you. If you've done something in public form or fashion, and you want your brothers and sisters to know that you're giving that up, and you want your forgiveness from them as well, know that we can do that. If you have a need this evening, won't you come? As together we stand and as we sing. Thank you for listening to this recorded audio of a sermon that was preached at the Roanoke Church of Christ. If you'd like to visit us, you can do so at 608 Dallas Drive, Roanoke, Texas, 76262, or you can visit our website at roanokechurchofchrist.org. We hope to see you soon, and may God bless you.